This begins part two of Unfound's coverage of the disappearance of Irene Gakwa. If you've not yet listened to part one, please find it on your podcast application. Irene Weremu Gakwa was a 32-year-old from Gillette, Wyoming. She was originally from Kenya and had a large family. On February 24th, 2022, Irene's boyfriend, Nathan, claimed she left him by putting clothes in a couple plastic bags and getting into a vehicle with someone. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the other guest for this episode, independent volunteer investigator Stacy Kester. Stacy, welcome to Unfound. Hi, glad to be here. Uh, I'm glad to have you. And if uh, listeners are familiar with the episode that covered Irene's disappearance on Paramount Plus, uh, yes, this is the other uh, woman who was interviewed, who was part of uh, that production that came out, uh, I guess, within the, the last year. I've had a chance uh, to watch it. I do have Paramount+. Plus. So, Stacy, thank you for being here. Um, let's start here, as we did with Jennifer. Um, why don't you just tell the listener, we'll get into how you got personally involved with Irene's disappearance a little later. But as much as you can say, it's up to you, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Um... I have lived in Gillette, Wyoming most of my most of my life. I am married with three daughters. Wow. I <laughs> strive to be a good person. I <laughs> yes. Have a full time day job and have a passion for trying to help locate missing persons. Okay. Um. So I am also. A volunteer investigator with Road Warriors for the Missing. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a national nonprofit. Very good. And, um, you know, I've talked about my background, how I got inter- interested in disappearance. This goes way back to the 1970s. I'm showing my age. But for you, when do you first remember yourself being interested in this topic, you know, in this problem that we have in the United States with disappearances? What's your first memory of that? So I've always kind of followed missing person stories. Um, it, it It's always been something of interest to me. It became very, I became very active in it, in Irene's disappearance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's always something that I followed the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like any person should ever have to go to bed wondering where their family member is. Right. Is there, can you remember a first disappearance that, you know, caught your attention maybe as a teenager or something? I will give you an example, like uh, when the first internet first came around in 1995 where I lived, I remember first getting interested in like Jody Hoosentrude's disappearance, which is still unsolved. You know, anything like that, maybe unsolved mysteries or cops or anything like that. So... The ones where I got really, really 
focused and interested in um, was a young man and a gentleman here from Gillette, Wyoming. Mm, okay. Went missing um, in 1997. It was Amanda Galleon and Patrick Geary. Okay. Um, so, I mean, they were boyfriend-girlfriend. However, they both just, just disappeared, and wow. nobody ever heard from them again. Wow. And I followed the, the case as it went on. Um, uh, and I mean, I, I was younger then, but... Yeah. But I stayed very, very close to it. I, I remember that uh, Patrick's vehicle um, had been found on an on the wrong side of the road. It was facing the wrong direction. Hmm. But, uh, something he had never, it, it was just a weird thing. And Sounds so, like it. I just, I don't know. I've kind of, ever since then, okay. always kind of been. Been kind of your thing then. Disappearances have been your thing. Okay. Uh, were those, uh, are those two, I, I have to admit, the names don't sound familiar to me, maybe to some of the audience. Were those disappearances solved or are they still unsolved? Still unsolved. Wow. Okay. All right, maybe we need to uh, look into those couple disappearances for Unfound. Maybe if uh, their families or somebody uh, does publicity, does any media all these years later, this, I guess that this, those disappearances are like 25 years old or something. Then. Yes, they are. Wow, okay. All right, I will have to look that up. I'm sure the listeners are going to do that as well. Well, well thank you for that, uh, Stacy. All right, so you grew up in, in Gillette, uh, I guess went to school there, and et cetera. Family from there? Uh, we, we moved here in when I was 10 after... Oh. We moved here when I was 10 years old. Uh, my aunt lived here. My, mm -hmm. my father had, <laughs> my father had disappeared. Oh, he did. Well, I didn't know that. Okay. Is that maybe, uh, is that, oh, I have to ask, is that still unsolved as well? Yes. It is. All right. So that was maybe another motivation for getting involved in disappearances. All right, this is the first time, listeners, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. Maybe Stacy and I can talk about that off the record after we're done talking about Irene. I'm sorry, Stacy. that's the first I've heard about that. Okay. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, these things uh, happen sometimes, uh, and uh, maybe we can talk about that afterwards. Maybe we can help you out some way. Okay. Well, let's uh, move on to this. Um... Let's talk a little bit about Irene. Uh, you know, we're going to ask you a lot of the same questions that I asked Jennifer, kind of the same uh, kind of pattern for the outline. But uh, do you remember where you were when you first heard about Irene's disappearance? Um, I was, I was sitting at home and I was actually looking on Facebook and I saw a very kind of very bleak uh, uh, police information put out stating that there was a woman that was missing, young black woman. Mm. Um, it was the police press release. Okay. It, uh, it, it was very, 
Um, woman from Kenya, Lydia Gillette, Wyoming, um, missing, and got to looking into it and following the story, and it was, I mean, literally, they live a mile and a half from my house. Huh. And so it, it really kind of sparked an interest, and then... You heard or you saw the press release on Facebook. Like I said, it was it was very vague. Yeah. But with the press release, I mean, you hadn't seen a single flyer or a single missing person poster or anything that had been put out by law enforcement. So yeah, it was kind of one of those something needed to be done. And that's how you got involved. And would you say, I guess we're saying this is shortly after her disappearance in February of 2022? Yes, I okay. want to say it was uh, April. Okay. April. Okay. Do you think you just in your daily travels, you know, none of our business, what you, you know, you said you have a full-time job and none of our business, what else you do. But do you think in any of your travels you might have run into Irene? during that time or, you know, being that you only lived a mile and a half away. Before she disappeared? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that she worked for, uh, FedEx for, for a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. um, the companies that I work for, we at FedEx daily deliveries. Um, so it, I order Amazon like crazy and have huh. FedEx drop in my house all the time. So, yeah. You know, I I wonder if maybe yes. Wow. I probably think for a time or two. Right. Wow. Okay. So that that the you know, and I know that Gillette, um, not the hugest city. I I think that we it's like what forty thousand people, something like that. Uh, Give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it is possible. Maybe you ran across her before she went missing. And wish our, our memories were, you know, that good we could remember uh, things like that. Okay. Uh, to be clear, though, you did not uh, know her. But just, um, you know, what have you learned about her? I, I think maybe you've had some interaction with her. You've had some interaction with her family? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So, uh, of course, we talked about this with Jennifer, but we'll put you put it in your own words. What have you learned about Irene? Of course, she uh, is from Kenya. But just about her personality, what was she into? What has her family told you about her? What have you learned about her on your own? So, <laughs> Irene was always daddy's little girl. Um, ah. Chris and Kennedy always joke about, um, you know, basically the youngest child could get away with anything. And ah. if the big brothers were picking on her, you know, dad had her back. Um, I talked to Francis. He still resides in Kenya. Um, but I also talked to him quite a bit, um, and, you know, he, sorry about that, he, he speaks the world of Irene, you know, she's daddy's little girl, like I said, she yeah. was spunky, she was fun, she always had a smile on her face, um, if, 
if there was somebody in need for anything and there was anything she could do to help, she would be the first to jump in and help anybody wherever she could. Mm-hmm. Um, she volunteered at the Boys and Girls Club here for a while. I do know that. Um, the kids loved her. She she brought happiness wherever she went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, being that you were, and we're going to get into your participation in the uh, Never Seen Again uh, uh, series on Paramount Plus a little bit later. But, you know, in that I saw her, you know, she lo- looks like she liked to have a good time. You know, they had video of her dancing around, things like that. Yes. Yep, she, now, um, Joyce and and Chris and Kennedy and Lucinda, which are her brothers and sister-in-laws, mm-hmm. they would tell you that if there was an opportunity to dance or if they were somewhere and music was playing, Irene was dancing. Ah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Okay, thank you for that. Um, of course, we just talked about her work. Uh, at the time of her disappearance... Um, what was her, her job? You said she worked at FedEx for a while. What, what else was, was that what she was doing or maybe she was involved in, um, home care or something like that? Yep. She was involved in home health care. I don't remember the exact name of the company, mm-hmm. uh, but she did home health care for people. She had actually come to America to pursue a dream of being a nurse to help other people. All right. So that was her motivation. Yeah. And she already, and to understand this, um, when she moved to the United States, she didn't move to, you know, we get into uh, how she ended up in Wyoming, but she first went to Idaho. Correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, she went to Idaho where her brothers lived. Um, she lived with one brother and then moved in with the other a short time later. Mm-hmm. So um, she... She didn't just come to America and land in Wyoming. She had, she had gone to where her brothers um, were living, and uh, they both had jobs down there. Mm-hmm. Um, had gone to school, so she moved basically following their path. She was going into the medical field as they have. Okay. Very good. All right. So coming from Kenya, going to Idaho. It's uh, quite a bit. I'm guessing that would be quite a bit of culture shock. I mean, I would, I would think so. <laughs> I've never been out of the country, but <laughs> but I would, I would think that it would be quite a bit of yeah. a culture shock. Right. I mean, um, of course, Kenya. The, of course, a very I, what I think is a very hot, warm country, and then going to Idaho, where I think Idaho, I think snow and cold and mountains and everything. So. That's interesting how her family ended up there, and then she ended up there. Um, all right, so she moved to the United States, and so we want to make something clear. We're going to talk about Nathan next. This was not one of those situations. Uh, you can expound on this, please, Stacy. That they met like on the internet, and then she moved to the United States for her. In fact, she was in the United States first before she met him, right? Yes, yes, she was. Okay, very good. All right, let's move on. So we know how she got to the United States. Uh, we seem to be doing very well here. And what year uh, did she move here? I believe she moved to the U.S. in 2019. Okay, so she was there. Wasn't like she moved here and then right away went missing. She was here for at least a few years, like about three years. Okay, let's just in general, uh, I want your impressions just in general, general facts about 
Nathan Heitman. Of course, he's a big part of this disappearance, the discussion and everything else. But what have you learned, like, the general facts about him, his history, before he ever met Irene? So, the things I learned about him, uh, he, he did have somewhat of a troubled life. Uh, hmm. he, his mother was murdered when he was 19 by her husband. Um, he had two brothers, one of them that passed away in a drowning accident. Um, he, he had a history of jumping around. I mean, from mm -hmm. one end of the world to the next, he was in California and then in North Carolina and then in Idaho. Um, mm -hmm. people that we've talked to along the way throughout our investigations, um, he had a very odd history. The way he acted towards women was, was something very uncomfortable towards women. Um, okay. Several of them have made complaints about him in, in workplaces. Uh, hmm. He just, he all around was not a good dude. He okay. was not, not a nice human being. Okay. Have you ever been able to put your finger on uh, why he moved around so much? Uh, you know, of course... He was in Idaho, ended up in Wyoming, but I think he's from California. You know, I even think that wasn't he on the East Coast, like Virginia or somewhere for a while. Have you been able to uh, figure out why he moved around so much? No. No idea whatsoever. He, uh, he wasn't in Virginia. He was in North Carolina. North Carolina, okay. All right, so yep. on the East Coast. So nothing at this point. We have to remember this disappearance is not that old, at least an unfounds. Hey, uh, world, the average age of a disappearance we cover on Unfound is about 22 years old. This disappearance is only a year and a half old, and we're doing this part of the interview uh, with Stacy on October 19th, so it's about a year and a half. So maybe there will be more that comes out about Nathan as we continue on. Hopefully, of course, we'll find uh, Irene, of course, and in, in all you know, in covering this disappearance. So he has this. Um, history of moving around, and what kind of work was he involved in? So he worked for AT&T. Um, uh, I can't think of the side of AT&T. Uh, he, was, he was tech support. Um, okay. Also did sales, things such as that. Mm -hmm. um, so worked mostly in an office setting. Uh, uh, worked, sales and tech support. worked a lot from home? Yes. Well, when he moved to Wyoming, he did. In Idaho, he actually worked in office setting. Oh, he did? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, what about uh, any prior serious relationships? Ever married? Any kids? No marriages, no kids. Um, he. He did have a prior relationship, um, a girl that he was high school, uh, who he was madly in love with, pretty much obsessed with. Uh, hmm. It's I, I will not share her name. I apologize. Of course, yeah, you don't. Please don't do that. 
All right. Yep. All right. So he has this, uh, and you've uh, spoken to her. Okay, and maybe we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. So that's some of the background uh, of Nathan Heitman. Uh, and uh, now we'll get into how exactly uh, did Irene and Nathan meet, uh, meet. We're reminding everybody that Irene actually was in the United States first before the two met. How did they meet? So Nathan, um, in his job at... Uh, Nathan had won a trip to, I, I don't remember quite where they were supposed to be going, uh, but it was a work trip during the COVID time, and he had won this trip, and hmm. apparently the girl who was originally supposed to go with him could not, um, and nobody's ever really confirmed who this girl is, it's still kind of believe that maybe this girl didn't really exist. Huh. <laughs> but okay. he posted this ad for looking for somebody to go on this trip with him, then potentially start a relationship with him, describe himself as this, you know, handsome, financially fit, strapping young man. Basically, put himself as every girl's dream is, okay. is how it's ran. Okay. You've seen this ad? Yes, I have. Okay. All right. And uh, maybe before this episode comes out, uh, maybe you could send me a screenshot of it or something if I would be allowed to share it uh, with the audience uh, before this episode comes out. I'm planning for this to come out on October 27th, so... I've not seen it. I've heard about this uh, message, but if you could, I would certainly like to show it to the listeners. So this is um, how we did this. A uh, little surprised about this, what you know about Irene talking to her family. Are, are you surprised that she answered something like that? Because, you, of course, you and I know as American citizens living in here since, I guess, we were born... We know how Craigslist, uh, you know, sometimes can be a shady place. Uh, her family's surprised about this. Our, is, was her family? Yeah, when they found out how the two met, uh, a little surprised because Irene doesn't sound like the type of uh, young woman who would be meeting guys on Craigslist. Yes, I think, I think they were all pretty surprised by it. Mm -hmm. um, uh... Yeah. Okay. Did they ever? Did did the two of them um, ever go on this trip? They did not. So that was during the COVID time. Oh, okay. Uh, right. And uh, I think that I believe the trip got canceled. Mm -hmm. And when the trip got canceled, of course that. Uh, They didn't go. <laughs> Sorry. They, they just didn't go. Uh, I have to ask you, Stacy, uh, being that you've been working on this for quite a while, like you said, of April of 2022, is there even proof that this trip even existed? Yes. We have confirmed that the, tr the trip did exist. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Where were they supposed to be going? Uh, flying somewhere? Going to Las Vegas or Hawaii? Or what was it supposed to be? 
you know? I, that I cannot tell you off the top of my head. I, I believe it was, I believe it would have been like a, I believe it was Hawaii or Florida wow. or something along those lines. Okay. That's pretty nice. He must have done something good at his job. Okay. All right. So that's how they met. But I guess when the trip fell through, Irene decided she wanted to stick around with him. I'm guessing so. I believe that he made himself out to, like I said, the ad that he put made him out to sound like this, this saint that every girl would want to meet or want to be with I think the one thing I've learned about Irene is, um, you know, because one of the things that people talk about is how she was just such a tiny, beautiful, young thing. And, yeah. And he, he's a very large man. He, he is rotund. But, You're right. Uh, but one of the things that I definitely learned is that it didn't matter the size or color of a person. Um, they, she loved people for who they were inside and out. She, so I, I think that after, and this is just my speculation, mm -hmm. that after I met him, he made it sound like, or acted like this great dude. And therefore she still gave him a chance. Okay. And this, we should clear this, being this was during COVID, that we're talking like 2020, year 2020. Yes. Okay. All right. And at some point, uh, I guess they started living together. Yes. Okay. All right. So she's living with her family. And then at some point, she is living with Nathan, just the two of them. And we'll get into... Uh, kind of the misdirection that they both did with, uh, you know, her family. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later. I, I asked Jennifer this, I'll ask you this. In talking to her family, you've gotten to know them. Did they ever see any proof that Irene was being abused or anything? Anything, as we know, we know how these stories go. Well, you see a bruise. Oh, I walked into a door. Oh, I fell down the steps. Anything that they saw that there was any abuse going on in the relationship? I did not sound like it, no. No. Okay. Have you gotten a feeling uh, of how the family felt about her being with Nathan? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so they never really, really cared for Nathan. They just, um, like Chris... And Kennedy both said there was, there was just always, they just had an off feeling about him. Mm -hmm. um, they couldn't quite put their finger on it. He just, he didn't, he didn't sit well with them. Okay. Have they ever told you, did they ever say anything uh, to Irene about him? Like, you know what, we're getting a bad feeling. Did they ever try to talk her out of, you know, being with him? Anything like that that they've ever told you? Uh, I believe that they expressed their concerns that they didn't care for him. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, Irene was also developing her freedom. Right. Developing her 
qualified here in America, and she was a grown-up. Right. So. Should ask you also this. Um, of course, she got here in 2019. By the time that, she, you know, before she disappeared, had she become uh, an American citizen, or was she working toward that? Do you know the status of that? I don't know the status of that. Okay. That is something I... I Okay. I've never really asked. Okay. That's fine. All right. So that, uh, so we don't know about that. All right. So family really didn't notice any, uh, abuse issues, at least physical, uh, abuse, anything like that. I do want to ask you about this though. Uh, this credit card story, Nathan alleged that Irene had used his card to buy a plane ticket what do you know about this story? When did it happen? And is this something that was known before she went missing or was this not known until after? What do you know about that particular story? So I know that Irene was at one point in time was going to leave Nathan. Um, I, I don't know where she was planning on going if she was going to move back home with her brothers or what the whole story is there. Mm -hmm. Um, However, uh, she, she had gone to work one day, gets home from work, police were there, um, they tell her that, that, uh, she, she was being charged with, with some kind of crime, theft or whatever, um. There had been a very large purchase on one of Heitman's credit cards for a plane ticket to um, back to Kenya. So, of course, it would look like Irene is the one who did that. Right, of course. Then, you know, it was going to press charges, going to press charges. But then, you know, Nathan being the stand-up guy that he is, says, oh, no. I don't want to press charges. We'll work this out. So no charges were ever pressed. But it was also, they. I know that they had looked at, um, they had looked at them, and if I'm correct, the charges were actually made from Nathan's phone. And don't quote me on that, because it could be wrong. Okay. Um, I'll look at the police report. Okay. All right, so what you're saying is there might have been proof that he kind of set Irene up. Yes. There could be. You know, maybe a possibility that he's the one that made those charges and then claimed that Irene did it. Yes. Okay. I, it was kind of my take on the whole situation after mm -hmm. reading the report and everything. It was one of those, um, I'm going to get you in trouble, but then I'm going to save you type of deal. Mm -hmm. So he could be the knight in shining armor and then it would be, oh, he didn't let me, let me get in trouble. So maybe I should stay with him. Wow. Okay. Did, when this, how, when did this happen? What do you remember about the timeline? Uh, this, this did not happen near her disappearance, correct? This was like 2021 or something. Uh, yes. Yeah, 2021, 
um, prior to their moving to Wyoming. Okay, very good. Uh, at the time when this happened, did Irene ever, what you know about this, did Irene ever tell any of her family about this? I do not believe so, no. All right, so she gets in trouble for this, but there's no record of her ever saying anything to anybody for, this is just an example, Stacy. of, you know what, I didn't do that. Whether it was a coworker, some friend, her family, this uh, conversation, this topic didn't come up to the point where she's saying, I did not do this, I did not use Nathan's card. Did that ever come out of her mouth? Yes, yes it did. Okay. I do know that, that when, and I can't remember exactly who she told, but I do know that um, at some point she had been asked and she said, absolutely not. Okay, all right, so she denied this. And still though, she and Nathan remained a couple. Yes. Okay. All right. And that happened in 2021. And uh, we'll get into where they really were. Uh, we know that they were in uh, Idaho. They ended up in Wyoming. But, of course, her family was under some um, different idea about where they were in the status of the relationship. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um. How did her family think, you know, things were going? Of course, she moves one way or the other. She moves out of Idaho. What, you know, being that you've gotten to know her family, what was her family thinking about her moving out of Idaho? Uh, any concerns about her going into the beginning of the year 2022? So they didn't, they didn't know that she had gone to, um, They didn't know that she had gone to, come to Wyoming, mm. and they actually didn't know that she had moved with Heisman. No, right. I, I mean, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. How they all found out, but I'm I'm just saying, just in general, no matter where she was, uh, any concerns about her in early 2022? Did she say anything to them or anything that made them think, you know, she's in bad shape? Maybe she needs to come back to Idaho, no matter where she is. Any concerns about her? Nervous about her? Did she show any depression or anything? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. All right. So we get into 2022. And in your work, Stacy, you spoken to the family. Ever spoken to anybody who knew Irene but is not in the family? For example, any neighbors, any, um, any friends, any coworkers, anybody like that? Um, I've talked to old coworkers, um, some of her her friends, um, spoken to neighbors, they all describe, they describe Irene as, as shy and quiet, but very happy and friendly. Um, they describe her as an introvert, um, mm-hmm. kept to herself quite a bit, but you know what they saw her, she would always say hi. Uh, once again, you know, the, the comments, she always brought sunshine with her wherever she went. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So um, I guess no concerns from any of them either then. Uh, none that none that really stood out. There was, well, I guess we can get to that in a bit. Okay. There was concerns from 
people. Okay, we'll get it, and we'll get into that a little later. Just uh, like you said. Okay, fine. Let's talk a little bit about this uh, last video call that she had. Uh, when did it happen? Who was the other party? Uh, you know what went on during this uh, this last video call? Because it, of course, with disappearances, it's always important to know who last saw the person or or heard the person's voice. In contrast to any emails or texts, which anybody can do, we're all, it's always very important about seeing somebody, hearing somebody. What can you say about this last video call? So, <laughs> Irene, no matter what, spoke to her father every single day. Um, you know, her brothers will tell you it wouldn't be surprising for them not to hear from her for a week or two. Um, but for her father not to hear from her every day is already weird but especially uh, days on end. But she'd had a video call with her with her mom and dad. Uh, it was... Uh, actually, it was on July 24th. You, mean, Fe- you mean February 24th? Or, yeah, I'm sorry, February. February 24th. Okay. She was on the video call with her parents. Um, now, Francis described that she looked very tired. Um, mm. Didn't seem quite like herself. He did say she seemed very off. Um, he kept asking her if she was doing okay, if she was sleeping enough. Um, he said her hair was really frazzled, and normally her hair looked really nice. Which he said he was just—he was concerned. Asked her how she was doing. And she kept saying, I'm doing fine. I'm just tired. Just working a lot. You know, just tired. Okay. All right. And that was the last time anybody saw her, spoke to her, that we trust. Yes. That was the last time that anybody that we know is being honest. (laughs) Okay. Right. That's when we, that's how we always have to say, you know, anybody we trust, we can, Certainly track down people who we don't trust in all these disappearances. You know, we're not yeah. sure to whether to believe their stories or not, but, you know, that's why we say that. But as far as we trust, and of course there's reason not to believe Nathan and his stories regarding her disappearance. So the last person was, did you say her father who was on this call with her? Yep, her father and her mother. And her mother, and they're in Kenya. <clears throat> and they're in Kenya. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Your understanding. So let's now get to the disappearance. Now that we've talked uh, quite a bit about uh, Irene, uh, let's just go right to the disappearance itself. When did somebody realize uh, that something wasn't right? What we might call red flag, that something was wrong. Was it, you know, was it, was it a coworker? Was it a family member? You know, who was it that started thinking, you know, something's not right here? So right away, um, after that that February 26th phone call, um, Irene's boss at FedEx got a text message saying that she quit, which was really weird because she was the type that if she was going to be late or whatever, she always called. Mm-hmm. However, she got a text saying that she quit, which for one was really weird. Um, but... Francis had been trying to get a hold of her. Um, 
She wasn't answering calls. She wasn't answering the voice messages or the video calls as she normally did. And so he was texting her. Well, she, he, they would get texts back from her. And of course it was, it started with, oh, I dropped my phone in water. So I can't answer, can't video, but I can text. Um, but Irene's native language is Swahili. Mm-hmm. So even when she's, when she's speaking with her father and her brothers, the text messages would be a mix of broken English and Swahili. However, the messages that Francis started getting were not consistent with in the Swahili language. Like where we say sentences, like to us would read, the cat jumped over the fence, and in another language could be the words are different, but it has the same meaning. Yeah. If you understand what I mean. Yes. The Swahili words were not making sense in in the English, the broken English and Swahili mix that they were normally getting. So it was like somebody was Googling the Swahili word to uh, add it into the conversation to make it look legit. All right. So that was a big red flag. Yes. Okay. So uh, we have this story. She doesn't show up for work. She allegedly quits. We have these messages going to her family that although they're coming from her phone, it doesn't sound like Irene, which is, and we know this is very common in disappearances. And it, uh, did anybody at this point think about tracking? Of course, her family didn't know about all of him, her being with him. We'll get into that in a second. But did anybody talk to Nathan during this time to try to track Irene down? So after, after the, the messages, um, they started going from the Swahili broken English fix to straight English. Francis began to get very worried, especially not actually hearing her voice, seeing her um, on a video call or anything. So he reached out to uh, Chris and Kennedy and said, hey, have you talked to your sister? They said, no, we haven't. They began trying to get a hold of her, could not. Hmm. Joyce, which is Chris's wife, called Nathan. Um, Nathan says, nope, I haven't seen her. She left uh, one night, came home, said she didn't want to be with me anymore. Plat, that, that, excuse me. Packed all of her stuff into two garbage bags, jumped in a dark SUV, and left. So Joyce asked, well, do you know who she went with or where she was going? Or, And he said, nope, I have no idea and haven't heard from her since. Is this the point at which people started finding out that she was not where she said she was, but instead was in Gillette, Wyoming? Yes. Okay. Uh, how did everybody react to that being that you've gotten to know the family? Uh, I'm sure you've talked about this particular topic. This is when they found out that she... Not only was she not where she said she was, but actually she and Nathan were still together. How did her family react to all of that? They were they were very shocked. They were very surprised. Uh, for one, Irene hated the cold. Um, that was part of the reason why she said she was leaving Idaho to go to a warmer climate. And then to end up, because um, Wyoming, I mean, it's cold here 10 months out of the year. Mm -hmm. So um, they were very shocked. Um very kind of taken off guard by it, but 
Okay, and just to be clear, is just an approximation, Stacy. How long had she been uh, telling this lie about where she was and where she wasn't? Approximately uh, a year, six months, just a couple months. How long? Uh, yes, about a year. Wow. Okay. All right, so I guess what we're saying is her family, whether in Kenya or in Idaho, never went to see her somewhere. And did, I mean, did any of them see her during that year? Did, I mean, was it to the point where, you know, she went to see them in Idaho and actually was continuing to tell the lie that she was actually in Arizona or Texas, wherever she said she was when she was in Wyoming? Uh, she had gone home on Thanksgiving to see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I don't, I don't quite remember if that is when, if it was at Thanksgiving when they found out she was in Idaho or in Wyoming or if it was. After the disappearance. I believe it was after the disappearance. Okay. So what we're saying here is uh, she's going to see her family. She saw her family in Idaho one way or the other and she's never very explicit on where she's living. Yes. Okay. And then, of course, we have Nathan after she goes missing. Um, you know, he's there in Gillette, and she's just, he, she, he's just saying, yeah, she packed up and left. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You know, the, the total cliche story. Two black mm. garbage bags, dark SUV, couldn't get a license plate number. Okay, Nathan. Uh, who finally filed uh, the missing persons report? And uh, maybe I should even ask you, who is responsible for disappearance, the paperwork now there in Wyoming? But who filed the report? Who, you know, who gave the police all the information and all of that? So Irene's brothers, um, they together called Gillette PD and said, hey, something's not right. Um, our sister's living there, but nobody's spoken to her. Um, told him the story that that Nathan gave her about her leaving in a dark SUV. Um, our police detectives went to Nathan's home. Of course, he gave them the same stories. Um, gave the police the same story that she packed up her stuff in two dark or two garbage bags, and away she went. Okay. And what have you learned about uh, that first investigation, you know, when the police finally do fill out the paperwork? Talking to Nathan, uh, were they granted um, permission to check out the inside of wherever they were living, whether it was a home or an apartment or whatever? What kind of stuff did the police uh, do? So after, after they went to the house... Chris and Kennedy actually came to Gillette, Wyoming from Idaho to file an official missing persons report. And that would have been in July. Wow, that, uh, that long. Uh, so they came here, they filed the missing persons report. Um, I do know in the beginning, the police... It was a missing persons case, however, um, you know, and 
missing person, they check for financials and all that yeah. type of stuff. Sure. And it was worth that Nathan Heitman was actually the one using Irene's debit card, credit cards, transferring all the money from Irene's bank account to his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it became a a financial financial crimes. Um, they did execute a search warrant where they were able to go in and get um, kind of like any electronic type of stuff where mm-hmm. they were able to get Irene's computer as well as they found her cell phone there. Um, you know, the cell phone that she was texting from after she went missing. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah. she goes missing and she took this bag of clothes, allegedly, and she didn't take her phone either. Or her debit cards or her credit cards. Okay, wow. There was also a story I should have asked you about that when did everybody who cares about Irene find out that Nathan had, I'll use the word forced, her to sell her car? When did this all come out? What can you say about that? So we actually learned about that. Um, and actually, I stand corrected. It was March. It was March when Chris and Kennedy came up okay. to file the missing person report. I apologize. Okay. Because um, it was, as a matter of fact, July 4th, when it was brought to my attention um, about the car sales. So a uh, local car dealership here, uh, it was one of those hometown Mm -hmm. dealership, uh, just happens to be a high school friend of mine who owns it. he had reached out to me and said, hey, I have some interesting information that you might want to know for your case. And so I gave him a call, and um, he shared with me that on January 15th, um, they had gone into, uh, I'm sorry, they being Irene and Nathan, had gone into his car dealership and were wanting to sell her vehicle. She had a, an Acura TL mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, Dust Young's Gillette Auto Group uh, said that now Dusty shared with me it was, it was a very very forced sale as he described it. He said uh you know, it was a very good run little car. There was no problems with it. Very clean. Um, so he had asked Irene, are you wanting to sell your car or are you wanting to trade it? Because, you know, at first he was thinking that maybe being in Wyoming, uh, an accurate TL is kind of rough on these roads. So I thought maybe they'd be looking for a four-wheel drive. Um, so he asked her if she was trying to sell the car or if she wanted to trade was going to take her out to show her some of the other vehicles that he had on his lot. And, um, Heitman had said, no, we just want to sell it. Uh, I've already bought her a new car. And now during this whole entire transaction, because Irene's name was the only one on the vehicle. Um, it was described 
by Dusty that every time he asked Irene a question, she would look at Nathan before answering, you know, almost that Mm -hmm. the, the typical making sure she said the right thing so she wouldn't be in trouble with him type of yeah type of um, right he said that you know the whole transaction ended up taking a couple days because he made him an offer um and she said they had to go home and think about it uh kind of went back and forth on numbers well then he she finally calls and she says okay well we'll take we'll take the offer that you gave us um so when Irene went down there to surrender the car and get the check, um, it was described that when Irene got there, now she would not get out of her car until Nathan pulled up. And even though the check was handed to her, it was immediately handed to Nathan. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, so this, and you didn't find this out until uh, you personally found this out in, about in July of 2022. Yes. All right, so this was a mystery to everyone. Even the police didn't know about this until this person contacted you. I, as far as I know, I don't, I can't speak for what the police did or didn't know. Okay. I, I'm assuming they didn't because they hadn't spoken to Nate or to mm. Dusty. Um, we did let them know, and the police did immediately go down there to speak with them. Okay. That brings me to this question. How did you get involved? That wasn't your first involvement, though. You said that you got involved before that. What motivated you to get involved? Of course, being that it's in your hometown, of course, that helps. But um, I get the feeling that you're more involved than... Irene's disappearance than any you've uh, done before this, been involved, you know, before any other disappearances you've known about. Why this one? So, I'm sure you remember the whole Gabby Petito. I do. Here. Um, very tragic story. Um, but if you look at, look at the two cases, okay? You've got a blonde hair, blue eyes, Beautiful young lady traveling across the world, mm-hmm. goes missing, yet had news broadcasts and press releases on the daily. Yeah. Then we have this, this young black woman who literally came to America with the sole goal, goal of helping other human beings. Um, you, you didn't hear the news broadcast. You didn't hear mm. the the constant press releases. You didn't have people coming out of the woodwork trying to help find this young woman. Um, good thing about being from a small town um, and having the parents that I do. Um, I know a lot of people here. I grew up knowing a lot of people here. Your yeah. small businesses, your, your ranchers, your country folk. I, I know all of them. So getting permissions to get on lands for searches, getting permissions to check oil fields, mine sites, things like that. It was something that I knew I could do. <coughs> and so it seemed important to be able to help them. 
And that's what motivated you. That, and I don't feel like any person should ever go to bed at night wondering where their missing person is. Very good. Okay, and so, uh, you know, your perception, you hear about her disappearance, and was it like right away? I mean, you read it, you know, you heard about it on a website or on the local news or something, and this is something that struck you uh, right away. Absolutely. Okay. Nice. Okay. Let's move on to this. Uh, we, we talked, of course, she's missing, but her car is not missing. In fact, it got sold. Her, but her phone is not missing. Do we know anything about it? Uh, like her purse, her ID, do we know about any of those items? It is my under... Oh, her purse? Yeah. And all of the, yeah, her purse, her credit cards, her debit cards. Uh all of that stuff was found at Nathan's home. Okay. All right. And we've already talked about this uh, questionable communication. Uh, a lot of English uh, being used instead of a mixture of English and Swahili. We already talked about the last video um, of her on February 24th talking to her family in Kenya. Um, has Nathan ever offered up any explanation for all that? For example, has he ever offered up, uh, you know, any, you know what? That was me who was texting on her phone. Has he ever admitted to that, to your knowledge? He has never. Never. No. Okay. No. Um, now, <laughs> something that I think is very, very important Please. to share about the whole situation. Yeah. Um, when the financial... It wasn't just financial crimes. He didn't just use her money. He went in and deleted her, her social media accounts, her email. Um, he also changed her password to her banking information. Wow. Wow. So he had total access to everything that she had. Yep. And so when he did all this, um, his claim on why he did this was so that she would have to contact him, you know, because she supposedly left him. Mm -hmm. She would have to contact him if she needed money. But the big red flag there um, that struck all of us right away is if, if, if a person leaves their spouse and that spouse wants them to come back, you're not going to drain their bank accounts and spend all the money and then hope that they're going to come back and stay because at that point they're going to hate you. Yeah. So not to mention, you. not to mention he's in that, that apartment or wherever they're living. He's seeing that her cards are there. <laughs> so how is she going to, you know, access any of her bank accounts if her cards are still at the house? Right. All right. Oh, so, sorry. so she's missing, but pretty much all of her important stuff, uh, was left behind. Yes. Okay. Um, at any time, uh, once it was discovered she disappeared from Gillette, Wyoming, and anywhere else, has Nathan ever offered up any explanation as to why she and he were in Wyoming and not Arizona, wherever ever else she might have said that they were? Nobody has ever gotten an explanation on why they moved to Wyoming. Which... Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, he was working from home, mm -hmm. so 
but Wyoming really makes no sense if she hated the cult because mm-hmm. she could have had a job anywhere. And, um, you know, even, even her brothers have shared the medical schooling in Idaho tops Wyoming's medical school. If you look at statistics, okay. so what I'm moving here to better her career and, he was literally working from home. He could have worked from anywhere. Okay. But he's never offered an explanation. You know, we can talk on, you know, all we want about how her family thought that she and Nathan had broken up, but it's more concerning that she's not where she said she was and she had been doing this for a while, but there's really no, to this day, there's no um, insight into why they picked Gillette, Wyoming, in contrast to any other city or town in the United States. No, there's not. Uh, for example, does Nathan have any uh, family li- that lives there, for example? Absolutely none. All right. So All his family is in Arriva, California. Okay. And he is estranged from them. Okay. His family wants nothing to do with him. Okay. Let's move on to this. And we have to uh, remind everybody. So the perception is not only that, of course, she moved the way that she went to Arizona. Was it Arizona? Just so we can get this on the record. Where did she, where did her family think she was? Arizona. Arizona. Okay. And, but the family also thought that she and Nathan broke up. I believe so, yes. Okay. Um, I, I know that her father, I believe that her father knew they were together because she FaceTimed him mm-hmm. and Nathan was home when she FaceTimed him. Right. Any, being that we know about these uh, text messages that were in mostly English, if not all English, and we're not inclined to believe that it was, uh, that it was Irene that was sending them, but we do have, we, do we have any... Uh, actual phone records. Was there anybody else that messages coming from Irene's phone or any calls from Irene's phone that, um, you know, or pings or any, do we have any, you know, more uh, specific records than that? We do not. Okay. Oh, we do know that the only calls coming from her phone or only text from her phone was to her family. There was... Mm-hmm. Unto, like her friends would try to text her because nobody was hearing from her. Um, nobody was getting a response other than her family. Okay. Any, uh, once this all, and we're going to get into these uh, felony charges that Nathan finally got, but, you know, and so he might have been uh, more deeply looked at then. But regarding the vehicle that they still had, she's missing. Do you know if any forensics were ever done on his vehicle regarding the disappearance? I believe they were in October. Um, wow. Executed a search warrant on his home, his vehicle. Um, they, and I know that Nathan was not at his home during this search. <clears throat> they had Gillette um, <clears throat> police. They had cadaver dogs, they had FBI, and 
we were allowed to be outside the search perimeters. I mean, they shut down the whole entire street. Wow. Yeah. It, they literally blocked everything off. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of that search, they were taking out boxes upon boxes. Okay. What kind of place did Nathan and Irene live in in Gillette? So it's um, a du- double-wide modular home Okay. Um, over in, you know, just a little neighborhood here in Gillette. Mm-hmm. Around that time of Irene's disappearance, did the neighbors hear or see anything that was unusual? So right after Irene disappeared, um, a neighbor reported seeing a barrel burning in the backyard. Um, Due to the location, the close proximity of all the houses, um, it was was very odd because, Mm -hmm. you know, we do live in Wyoming. It is a way that people burn trash and stuff, but that's more of a country thing. So if you, like, you'll see it in the country quite often. That's how they get rid of their trash. Instead of paying for trash pickup, they burn it. Um, however, this was in a backyard. Um, very, very cold out at this point in time. Um, negative temperature, so it, it would be really weird for somebody just to be hanging out in their backyard. Burning stuff. Do you know how long uh, this burning went on? Uh, were the neighbors nosy enough to notice exactly what was being burned? Was it papers? Was it clothing? Was it bedding? Was it carpets? Was it plastic? Do we know? We do not know. Due to the fencing around his house, they were not able to see what was burning. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know that the neighbor kind of peeked through the fence and all she could see was a 55-gallon barrel <coughs> and I know it seems odd that it's a specific size however when you're in Wyoming yeah we have barrels everywhere so it was it was kind of easy to pinpoint uh, me and a lady that I work with or not work with I mean in the volunteer side uh, Jen actually okay yes on check with some companies here and actually um found that he had gotten the barrel at a local company, which I'm not going to say their name. Okay. Uh, but he verified and actually took Jen and I and showed us the exact barrel that Heitman had picked up. This is a barrel that can be carried by one person if it's empty or or what? Yep. I mean, if, it, if it's empty... I weigh 110 pounds, and I can pick it up and carry it. You could. Okay, is it made out of plastic or metal? Metal. Uh, I'll ask you again. Plastic or metal? Metal. Metal. All right, thank you. Okay, so it's made out of metal, but you, uh, even as, uh, like you said, a 110-pound woman, you could carry by yourself. It it was empty. Yes. Okay. And so somehow that barrel could fit in his vehicle. He takes it home, and then... Uh, burn stuff in it. Has this barrel ever been located? It has not. And so the barrel is missing. Our search is on. Okay. 
What about uh, Nathan's movements uh, for February 25th, 26th, 27th in that area? Uh, has it been ever been, did he like miss it? Has it been ever been determined for, this is just an example. I know he works from home, but has it ever been determined that he missed any days of work? Did the neighbors say, you know what? He seemed to be out of town. We didn't see his car, anything like that for that like late February of 2022. So the one thing that we have learned is that at some point at, uh, within the days following the last phone call with Irene, um, Nathan went over to Sheridan, Wyoming. Um, the police may know why we do not. Uh, mm -hmm. There's information that we're not privy to. Um, however, he did go over to Sheridan, Wyoming. It's also known that he spent a bit of time down at a place called Burlington Lake. Um, it's, it's not a lake. It's just the name of it. Okay. Uh, kind of, like one of those places where you can go and sit and think. Okay. Uh, being that uh, most of the listeners are probably not familiar with this area of Wyoming, uh, how far is Sheridan and this other place from Gillette? So Sheridan is about 101 miles from us, I believe. Wow. Uh, okay. Hinton Lake would be half a mile from his home. And like I said, it's, it's not really a lake. It's like mm -hmm. a... It's like a park with a pond almost okay only it's not a pond <laughs> okay can you say how they figured out that he had gone to sheridan 100 miles away that sounds like a long drive but can can you say how they found that out i am not certain how they found it out i'm assuming and this is just assuming that it was based off of phone pings okay do you know or maybe you've even been involved in any searches done in the sheridan area so we, we haven't fully searched the Sheridan area. However, um, the back road, that, there's two ways you can get to Sheridan. You can get on um, I-90, which will take you straight to Sheridan, and you can get, um, there's a back highway 1416 that'll take you to Sheridan. Um, and our search efforts, we've covered a lot of Highway 1416. Um, we also went to, we drove that back way all the way to Sheridan, kind of checking any ravines, you know, dips, places where you could stop and roll a barrel out. Um, that wouldn't take much effort. Um, we've met with ranchers, especially in hunting season and whatnot, because um, a lot of the people with land out there will let people hunt. Yeah. Um, took flyers, distributed them out as, as we went along to kind of make sure everybody from here to there had um, information and what we were looking for. We did have a call. Um, a lady had found a barrel about 15 miles outside of Sheridan. Um, we got the call. Me and one of the women on our search team, actually, after I got off work, we drove up to the Sheridan area, went to the location, um, did not end up being a match to the one, but, mm -hmm. you know, every, every tip we got on a barrel, we would always go check. I should ask you, uh, please, uh, it's a 55-gallon barrel. It's made out of metal. Uh, what color is it? Silver. 
silver. All right, so not something that's going to really stick out. No. Not like fluorescent green or orange or something like that. Nope. Okay, so it's silver. All right. Not the best color tramping through the woods and maybe seeing something from far away. Okay. Um, we talked about Nathan's uh, kind of uh, history before he and Irene ever met, but let's kind of go over this again. Did you say that you did speak to a woman who, uh, who did know him or it was his girlfriend or maybe Jennifer did? What can you say about that? So we, we talked to several women Please. who knew him. Yeah. Uh, Ex-girlfriends. They, every single one of them described him as possessive, controlling, um, very needy. Um, mm. It's more the, not, not I'm dating you, but and I own you because we're together type of feel. Um, there was another lady who he had a very high interest in, though she did not reciprocate the same feelings. Um, he began to follow her home. Uh, wow. One of her friends would even, because they worked together at AT&T, one of her friends would actually, she got off an hour before this lady, but she would wait in the parking lot for her friend to get off because her friend was so scared of, of Heitman and following her home. Wow. Uh, she ended up making complaints mm-hmm. with AT&T. Um, however, from the way it sounds, is Nathan was a top seller, so I believe they kind of disregarded her concerns. Huh. Uh, in, in, in knowing these women, uh, share any of the same qualities as Irene. For example, are any of them from another country? Any of them maybe have the same kind of personality or the same kind of look that Irene did or what? No. Huh. And that is another interesting thing about this whole case. Um, so even Nathan's own family, his, his father, his stepmother, mm-hmm. um, everybody was very surprised to hear that Irene was African-American yeah. because they said that Nathan was always very racist. Wow. Huh. Did uh, his family, he said he was estranged from his family, but even so, did any of them seem to know uh, that he was living with a black woman? They did not. They did um, Okay. As a matter Back, they did not find out anything about this until um, we reached out to him when we started trying to. We were trying to get to know Nathan, his fears, his yeah places he would go. Because I mean, you know, if if somebody's scared of spiders, they're not going to go where a bunch of spiders live. If they're scared of bears, they're not mm. going to go where a bunch of bears live. And so we were trying to find out who he was to learn kind of places that it would be more likely for him to take 
Irene. Yeah. And that is when we learned that yet his family described him as extremely racist. Wow. Okay. All right, so I guess we're also saying these other women you ran into are all white women? Yes. Okay. And did he go about meeting them kind of the same way, like over Craigslist or something? Any idea how they came, if they did, I mean, like you're saying, some of them, I guess, rejected him, but the ones who didn't reject them, uh, how did they meet? Was it over Craigslist as well, or do you even remember? Work. Work. Okay. All right. So, uh, but nothing on the record as far as actual any criminal charges regarding anything like stalking. Uh, I mean, they, they could say maybe they thought that he was following, but anything that is actually on the record criminal charges there... that you know of? No. None. Did any of these women in talking to you, once again, what they said, being that they knew Nathan, of course, I do not know him, you do not know him, um, or did not know him, um, any of them ever think any he acted violent toward them? Yes. Um, it was described... Um by one of them that he would, he, she's terrified of him. Mm -hmm. um, she would describe their sexual encounters as extremely forced. Um, mm -hmm. That even when she said no, he said it wasn't her choice. Um, huh. Okay. All right. This is, of course, so uh, don't really have any. But she never char, you know, no charges of rape or anything like that that we that you know about. No. Okay. We have to remember. Uh, this came up with Jennifer. We have to remember that uh, Nathan is not a small man. I think the the weight that came out was like three hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah, I, very large. Right, and from what I saw of Irene. Uh, she might not have even been a hundred pounds. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even, I think it was reported she was 95. Right. So he's like over three times bigger than she is. Yes. All right. And even for me, uh, being a guy, I'm like five, nine, 180 or something. I mean, uh, Nathan dwarfs me even, you know, as a guy. So yeah, he's a big fella. All right. Uh, all right, let's move on to this. You've already talked about this. Let's talk about, you kind of mentioned it in passing. Let's talk about these felony charges that finally um, were pinned on him. How did this all happen? So after the police did their investigation, um, they, they determined that based on video surveillance from Walmart, other stores, those online purchases coming from Nathan's IP address. Um, they determined that yes, it was Nathan using her, her credit card um, from a bank account. Um, 
they could see where the money was being transferred from her account into his, mostly in $500 increments, hmm. um, several transactions. Um, as a matter of fact, I just sent you all the court documents. Okay, thank you. Uh, What was he, uh, any idea about what he was buying? So, one of the first purchases that was really odd was boots, pants, shovel at Walmart. Wow. Um, which, of course, gave a lot of speculation on did he take Irene and bury her. Um, however, a person in... And Nathan's own family, which I, I can't share which one. Okay. Um, when him and I spoke, he he expressed that maybe that was the intention was to get people speculating. Um, Nathan was ne never very physically active, even even prior to him becoming a very large man. Mm -hmm. uh, they said he wasn't an outdoorsy type, so they believed that it was basically just a ruse, you know? A ruse, kind of, mis uh, kind of um, mislead, like uh, misleading people. Yes. You know, you buy boots, pants, and shovel, people are going to mm -hmm. be looking for burial spots. But um, the other thing is um, being in Wyoming, water area is one of the things that we tried to focus on was a shovel can also be used to break the ice. So that, that became another idea. But at the same time, burning a barrel. We also thought that maybe the shovel could be used to, you know, if you've ever burned anything in a barrel, the top is always going to burn faster. Whereas if you flip it around, it's all going to burn, if that makes sense. Okay. All right. So these uh, things were part uh, of the purchase, and these purchases were right uh, around the time that Irene went missing. Yes. All right. Did he, uh, I should ask, did he have any what we might call frivolous uh, expenses like buying video games or TVs or anything like that. Were those things also on there? Uh, do you, it's fine. If you don't remember, that's fine, Stacy. but anything that jumps out to you. I don't believe they ever really expressed, um, what all the purchases were. I do know that, that there was some electronics involved. I just can't specify which ones. Okay. So he eventually uh, got caught, and the way you're portraying this is this all came about because of the investigation into her disappearance. Yes. All right, and that's how they found out that he was using her credit card and other things to access her accounts. Of course, we already heard his explanation. He thought draining her bank accounts would bring her back. Okay. And uh, when was he eventually uh, charged and uh, did, he, did he plead guilty or what happened there? He was arrested May 6th and charged with the financial crimes and intellectual property crimes. Just to be clear, May 6th of 2022. 
Okay. All right, and what eventually uh, happened? Did he go to trial? Did he plead not guilty? Did he take a plea? What happened? So at first he pled not guilty. Um, and, you know, he pled not guilty. There was, he asked for a jury trial. Um, and then... It was like the court dates kept getting pushed back. Um, every time it would get close to the court date, he would file a continuance. And for some reason was always granted it. Um, towards the end of the last one, uh, then we got notification that they were doing a change of plea. And he was going to plead guilty to three of the charges, and then they would dismiss the two. Um, they would dismiss an intellectual, or I believe it was both the intellectual property crimes that got dismissed. Um, if he pled guilty to the other, it would be an open, open-ended sentence. Um, and so there would be no, no request from either side on what what the prison terms would be it would basically be up to the judge to decide. Okay. And so your understanding, how long is he going to be in jail? Two, three to six year sentences, uh, sort of consecutively, followed by a, I can't remember if it's two to three year supervised parole or probation and parole um, to be followed right after he gets out of prison. Um, so, I mean, he could be in there anywhere from three to six years. Mm -hmm. However, he has filed an appeal. Okay. All right. So he's in jail right now. And if things go the way they are, he'll probably be in there until 2025. Yes. Give or take. Okay. Have you ever spoken to Nathan yourself one-on-one? -on -one? Um, not not directly. So, um, at one point in time, because I lead the searches, um, we were actually preparing for a large search that would, would have been the area behind his home, um, the fields in the areas back there. Um, I, I'm not sure if Jen shared with this with you. Um, I uh, have a TikTok account. I would post daily updates on Irene's case. Basically, just try to keep a lot of attention on it. Um, after I spoke with his family, stuff that they shared with me, basically, we're trying to make him uncomfortable so that he would mm -hmm. start speaking. Um, the day before our search, which we always announce our searches because we ask for public volunteers. I got a call from my daughter saying I needed to come home from work. There was police at my house. Um, Nathan had served me with a stalking protection order. Wow. Yeah. Um, we ended up having to go to court. Um, when was this? Please uh, give us some dates if you could. 
September 15th. Of 2022. Uh, you were going to do a search and you got served. Yes, I got served with a stalking protection order. Um, the temporary order required I could not go anywhere near him or his home. I also had to um, take down my TikTok account until the actual hearing. I was not allowed to say his name publicly. Basically, if his name came out of my mouth, I would be arrested. I see. Some judge went along with that? Nope. It was it was a temporary order. So um, here in Wyoming, if somebody serves a protection order, of course, you have the right to fight it. Um, they're normally pretty quick hearings. Uh, however, there's a temporary one put in place. Uh, I guess what you're going to have to do, Stacey, you're going to have to ex uh, explain the process for all of us of how that even got started. Uh, you know, he doesn't like what you're doing, so he talks to a lawyer, and what does a lawyer do? He didn't talk to a lawyer. Uh, um, so he so, has a public defender, which here in Wyoming can't use a public defender for any crime that isn't going to put, put you in jail or for personal things that's a personal thing. So he went to the courthouse and filed this on his own. He did. Uh, I was served... So our, our search was planned for September 17th. I was served September 16th. Mm -hmm. uh, they did their uh, pretty fast court hearing. Or, no, 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 I stand corrected. I'm sorry. Our search was September 10th. I was served September 9th. Court was September 15th. Um, so in his court documents, he stated that I was harassing him. I was sharing his personal information with the public. I had shared where he lived with the public because of me. People were harassing him. Um, one of his claims that I was calling him at all hours of the night um, mm -hmm. for block numbers. Um, and he put that I, I was... Uh, sharing personal family information of his <coughs> on okay. my TikTok account, which, yes, I was. Um, never denied that. However, all I ever did was share what his family allowed me to share. I had their permission. They actually followed me on TikTok. Um, they were actually tagged in all of the TikToks. Okay. So how long did this, uh, of course, this is September now we're talking. He got charged. When did he finally go to jail? So he didn't end up going to jail until uh, his actual court hearing was um, June of 2020, June of 2023 is the original court hearing was supposed to be in February. It kept getting pushed back. He went, he was sentenced to prison in June of 2023. All right, so just a few months ago. Yes. Okay. And, but uh, back to the question, if you ever spoke to him, you never got to ask him any questions about Irene's disappearance. 
No, we've tried. Um, so that was one of the things he, he claimed that I was calling him all hours of the night mm. and that I was texting him all the time. When I had first started the search efforts, yes, I had texted him and just said, I'm the woman looking for your missing girlfriend. Anything you could tell me would be greatly appreciated. I had tried calling him once, got no answer, so I didn't try again. Um, and he never once responded to me. Did you ever get to do that search uh, that you wanted to do before you got served? We did end up getting to do it, not at the planned time, because mm. I couldn't be anywhere near the vicinity of his home. So right. we still did our search. We just selected a different area. Um, and then, um, later after everything was dismissed, then we did pursue the original search we had planned. Okay. All right. So he is now in jail. You're working on this. Jennifer is reporting and, and working on this. Um, what's, uh, if you can say, you don't have to say if it's something secret uh, you know, we don't want to mess up anything here, but if you can say, you know, what, what's next for you on this? Um, what's next is I know that our Gillette police department is continuing their investigation. Um, I do know the FBI is involved. I don't fully know to what extent. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I know that we're continuing our searches um, and efforts to hopefully find that barrel. Um, yeah. And we'll just continue. Okay. Continue efforts and doing whatever we can to bring answers to Irene's family. And listeners should know there actually are a couple topics that we can't talk about publicly. Remember, uh, you know, in, in evidence or information that you have that you don't want to talk about because it could kind of uh, mess up some things, right? As far as the investigation goes. Yes. And we and we know what, and I know at least what one of those things are that uh, we can't talk about publicly. Okay. Uh, I want to move on to this. Uh, of course, you and uh, Jennifer were both uh, interviewed for the Paramount Plus show. Um, you know, well, uh, how did that go? What was your experience regarding that? How did that go? It was. It was very promising. I I appreciated the people. Um, Anthony Canton is the one who had originally reached out to us. Um, they they did the show because they genuinely care about missing people. It wasn't about ratings. It wasn't about numbers. Um, it was a very good experience to see the love and passion they have for bringing missing people home. Okay, did they uh, actually come out to Wyoming and interview you right there or... They did. Um, so the first day they did, um, Jen and I, um, there's also a gentleman named Jake who reports for, um, the news record. We did the one-on-one -on -one interview. It's here in Gillette. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then the next day, they actually went on a search with us. Um, it was kind of a smaller search area, but they joined us to to see what it is we do. <laughs> they were champs because it was negative temperatures and snowing, and they stayed out there all day with us. Wow. Okay. How long would you say the production team was out there putting that all together? So they were here in Gillette for two days, um, and they were down in Idaho with Chris Kennedy and Joyce for two days. Okay. All right, and you're, you were pleased with the final product. We realized, I think those episodes are only like 25 minutes long, <laughs> and, I do, yep. and I do interviews here that are two hours long. So I have to ask, how, how were you pleased uh, with the, the coverage in only 25 minutes or the things that you said they wish you would have, they would have included? Uh, how do you look back on it now? I was, I was pleased with it. I, I do feel a lot more of Irene's story could have been told had there been more time. I do think I very much appreciated how they focused that show mostly on the family. I mean, I... I appreciated them joining us on the search, but it was, to me, when I watched the show, I I really appreciated how they focused on Chris, Joyce, and Lucinda, mm-hmm. or, I'm sorry, Chris, Joyce, and Kennedy, um, and Lucinda, you know, the family aspect, so that the world could really see how bad they are hurting and how much they are missing yeah. Irene. All right. How often do you, uh, of course, we're a year and a half after uh, since she went missing. How often do you talk to her family? Daily. Daily. Yep. Every single day. Okay. And uh, how often do you, of course, they, I guess they still live in Idaho. Uh, do they, um, how often are they coming to uh, Wyoming? Um, so they haven't been up here since. Uh, since the the last trial, um, but we, mm-hmm. my husband and I, got an opportunity to see them in Idaho uh, a couple months ago. We went to California, and on our way home, we took a different way around so we could go to Idaho and see them. Nice. Okay. I have to ask, uh, I, I know that you are a mother, you are a wife, you have uh, a job that, uh, to my knowledge, is not connected to disappearances at all. Where do you find the time, Stacy? Outside of everything. I mean, my, I'm, my daughters are all, all kind of grown. I mean, my oldest uh-huh. is 20 and she's in the Army. Um, my middle is 19 and... She's actually getting ready to move to Bulgaria. And wow. my youngest is 17. Um, my my husband supports me a thousand percent on devoting our free time, or my free time, art free time, to doing search rescue, missing person. He's even um, supported me in taking the different classes and Getting medically trained for the when we're on searches, making sure that we have somebody CPR certified. I guess I just make time. I'm not a good sleeper. Okay. 
right, okay. All right, thank you. Uh, what are some of the things, um, uh, being that, uh, how long, maybe I should ask you this, how long has the rest of, if you know, how long has the rest of Irene's family been living here in the United States? Do you know? I, I don't know an exact amount of time. Mm -hmm. I know it's been several years prior mm -hmm. to Irene coming here. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they, you know, being that they, you know, I'm, I'm guessing maybe they're American citizens now and, and uh, I welcome them uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, how have they felt about, you know, America's, um, criminal justice system and everything regarding, uh, their sister's disappearance and the investigation into it? Uh, how have they felt about it? Do you have a, have a sense of that? They... They've had a lot of frustration with it. Um, mm -hmm. I know that they have faith. We, they have faith in our in our law enforcement, and I know our law enforcement is doing their absolute best. Unfortunately, I, I know that they've they've kind of struggled with the communication factor. They've struggled with with the. Uh, um, What's taking so long? They feel like more has been, should have been done. It should have been done a lot quicker. I know, I know they felt pretty let down, but I also know they still have a lot of faith that our law enforcement is doing everything they can and will bring her home or bring them the answers. I guess is a better way to say that. Okay. Stacy, why don't you now, uh, I know you're part of a nonprofit organization, why don't you talk a little bit about that, if they have a website, or you have a website, or Facebook page, anything like that, why don't you talk about that right now? So, um, I am a member of Road Warriors for the Missing, um, it's a national nonprofit, uh, focuses on missing and trafficked people, um, on the side of that. We are doing Wild Find here in Gillette, which is focusing specifically on Wyoming. Um, but we, there is a Facebook page, there's a website. Anybody who has a human being go missing, um, doesn't matter the circumstances, we will get search groups out, we'll get flyers out, we'll do what we can to help bring their person home and find them answers. Uh, who, who started that? Who is the, who started this nonprofit organization? Who is that? Road Warriors for the Missing. I, to be honest, I can't tell you who, who founded it. Huh. Um, I was invited in, um, by a lady named Marky. Yeah, Marky, uh, Marky Davis. Yep, Marky Davis. Uh, Marky is a very good friend of mine. Like Marky ah. a lot. A lot. Yep, so Marky Davis is one of the ones who reached out to me and Dave Wolfskill um, has been, man, I've learned so much from that guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, those two have been amazing. They've yeah. been inspiration and quite a bit of help. Yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. For everything. So Marky had started We Help the Missing, which is where I had originally joined. Yeah. 
Um, they had some situations. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we very sad there. Right yep. And <coughs> uh, over to Road Warriors with Mark. Okay. Yeah, Marky uh, was a guest of Unfound way back at the beginning of 2018. She was my guest for the disappearance of Jeremy Burt. And um, that was a, that's an Idaho disappearance. In fact, uh, the combination with him and Aaron Barnard, um, two weeks in a row we covered two Idaho disappearances, believing that those two are connected from Boise, Idaho. And so we go way back uh, to early 2018 so i've known her for almost six years now it's hard to believe i like her a lot I like her a lot um stacy any final words before we complete this inter interview um i i guess my thing is now um you know it, it, it amazes me how many people don't know when a person is missing or they don't hear the story or they don't, you know, basically know anything about it. Um, so I appreciate these podcasts. I appreciate the news broadcasts. Um, I do believe that there are, are people who will hear this, who will be like, Oh my God, I knew Nathan Heitman. If, right. If you know Nathan Heitman, if you knew Irene, if you, have anything that you think could not anything that you think sometimes it's the smallest thing that people are like oh my goodness that wouldn't be important could actually be the key factor to bringing a missing person home right and so if you know either of the names nathan heitman or um irene gakwa reach out because any bit of information could help us solve this case Stacy, I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for sharing Irene's story. You're welcome. And those were my October 2023 interviews with Jennifer Coker, local Gillette journalist, and Stacy Kester, citizen investigator and friend of the Gakwa family. I thank them both for appearing on this episode. I would like to think over the past seven years that Unfound has broken a lot of new ground in the understanding of disappearances. I think I'm the first person ever to look at these cases in terms of people, not circumstances. The first to break down the disappearances into categories so they can be better understood to quickly recognize the qualities of each kind so our thinking can be quicker and guided more efficiently. I'm the first host to ask the question, in disappearances that we think are foul play, why do the suspects make their victims disappear? Why not just leave the bodies where they are like so many killers do? I've learned a lot, I've taught a lot, and hopefully all of you are learning a lot. But I will admit, I have no answer for situations like Irene's. Despite being raised well, despite being educated, despite being around her family all the time in Idaho, she left them, and she lied to them. She lied to everybody, and Irene didn't even tell the truth 
when Nathan wasn't around. Irene reminds me so much of Jessie Foster, who also lied extensively to her family, despite being around them without her pimp there. Granted, there are many, many women in situations like these who don't go missing, who eventually see their ways out and never look back. But we must look at why this still happens in an era where, at least in the United States, women have more opportunities than ever, are more educated than ever, getting their educations at a much higher percentage than men, where we have more women's shelters than ever, where we as a country know this stuff happens and have known for a long time, yet it still happens. What are we not getting? What are we not understanding? What is getting lost in the translation between all of us who never want this to happen to one woman and the women who still have it happen to them? I don't know. I really don't. All I know is we need to do better because all women have great expectations. If you'd like to hear and read my in-depth analysis of Irene Gakwa's disappearance, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast to sign up to partake in the unfound blog. Until then, I leave the public theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.